called Bleed. It's from an old record. I don't know, is it Joys and Concerns? I think it is. Come down now, little 
So we're here with uh, Marty, Art, Heidi, and Stu from Stu and the Negro Problem. Uh, this is pretty much my favorite band. So, and they just played here at the Garden Sessions, and uh, it's all just, it's all just thrills for me. I'm just I'm uh, and now I can't think of anything to say I'm after stunned. we talked we talked about him for like five hours in the podcast, I'm and now stunned. I can't think of anything to say. I got nothing to say. I have to bleed. I, okay. I got nothing. I, I, I'm stunned. That was so beautiful, guys. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, the, th- the thing about you don't really know if songs are good until somebody tells you they're good. It's good, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they're good, man. I mean, it's like really. No, it's really like a guy came up to me on the waiting for the D train. This really large, like six foot three African American gentleman gave me this giant bear hug, almost lifted me, and that shows you how big and strong he was. And I said, like, and hi, and he said, your music saved my marriage. He goes. I started playing my ex your music because I'm like this is what I like like this is actually what I like like not the stuff you like I just listen to around everybody and he goes and they got back together because he started giving playing her stew and then he wrote music and, I'm, you, and we're usually the band that breaks people up you know yeah. <laughs> but it's like he's like I started playing this I'm like this is what I like and she was like oh after like seven years like now I get you <laughs> So I'm like, okay, that album works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that album must be okay. Yeah, it was functional. You know what I mean? Right. Functional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Let me turn this stupid thing up. I wrote a lot of songs about ruining relationships, and they do right. seem to keep people together somehow. <laughs> no, that's I don't know why that is. Cautionary lessons. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I didn't, I didn't quite. When I was at Poisson Rouge and you were playing, uh, I didn't grasp all of Western that first take through it. Right, 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 but right, right. Today, that's an amazing song. Thanks, man. You know that this guy, uh, uh, Greg Cass, he's on the day of the verdict, the Trayvon, the verdict. He sent to Facebook, "Are you following him?" Yeah. Uh, okay, we don't need you to do that. And I thought he had written a poem because I wasn't following the case because I was too pissed off to follow it. And I said, dude, can I make that into a song? And he goes, that's the police transcript, dude. Like, that's what the police... Tra-. And I'm like, now I gotta make it into it. Yeah. But I mean, I thought it was a poem he wrote. You know, uh, are you following him? Yeah, okay, we don't need you to do that. It was like a haiku, you know? <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, yeah, that, um, yeah. 
it's haunting. That song is so haunting. Thank it's you, so man. Straight Thank the you. The bass, Heidi. I mean, it's just it's got that Western feel, perfect. Yeah, thank you. It's all about the bass. It's, it's always. Stu says that at some point. Always. I'm always. Say it. Bass. always. Always. Get it in thank there you. early. <laughs> <laughs> there, I've spoken. And the two of you guys singing too is just cool. Stunning. Thank you, man. Hello again. This is a song called Western, and it's off the Notes of a Native Song album. Old Tom bows, Uncle Tom scrapes To a lily-white god with Mississippi plates A shotgun rack, hunting blind drunk A rope in the back and a hood in the trunk are you following him? Yeah, okay. We don't need you to do that. Are you following him? Yeah, okay. We don't need you to do that. There's a real suspicious guy, looks like he's up to no good. He's probably on drugs. I mean, it's raining and he's wearing a hood. He's just walking around, looking about. These assholes always get away. Stay in your car. No, I'm going to get out. Are you following him? Yeah, okay. We don't need you to do. Are you following him? Yeah, okay. We don't need you to do that. Brown and black met one night. Black stayed black, but brown turned white. Brown and black met one night. Black stayed black, but brown turned white. Brown and black met one night. Black stayed black, cause brown turned white. Brown and black met one night. Black stayed black cause brown turned white. There was only one way of knowing whether the argument had been won. One guy caressed his bleeding chest while the other one stroked his gun Are you following him? Yeah, okay We don't need you to do
to say we uh you know marty's sitting here marty you, you went on you went, did you go on a, you went on a cross tour with us yeah, yeah. I did. oh yeah. yeah 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 and those are just like very transformative times for us and it's like i was i was just telling probably you and adam that like bands like us really don't survive unless like weirdos <laughs> who, who who have a lot of people's ears you know mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's like even like before it was people like adam it was like like the guy that worked at aaron's records he would like not allow people to sell our record back nice like he would literally go like you cannot i'm not gonna buy this from you you have to go back and listen to it and and that's what we should do. He was he would just like f- really just be badass about like you have to listen to the ear. He would just force people like those guys in my you know, those those guys you know those minus London, zero yeah. kind of you yeah. know those kind of you know oh, yeah. what is it what's the book the, book? High the high fidelity, fidelity guys, guys yeah. Guys, yeah yeah I mean but those are the people that like make bands like us yeah, you know we yeah. need those kind of people we need those kind of people where like you know uh, an engineer we were working with he went to buy no offense a love journey <laughs> but 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 uh, he went he was seventeen and he went to buy a journey record in nineteen seventy seven. And the guys at Poobahs in Pasadena, uh, nobody remembers Poobahs unless you were like really old, but the guys in Pasadena said, not only are we not selling you the Journey record, we're selling you the first Ramones and Talking Head 77, both go home and listen to these on your date, you know, and they changed his life. They forced him to buy two <laughs> records. He didn't want, and, and I, they I changed his life. I have many stories like that. I worked, I, know, at a record oh, duh, really? I worked at a record store and did the same thing. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, really? yeah, same really? thing. What a like, stretch. That's yeah. not, it's not that bad, though. I mean, right, I right, let right, people right. buy the Journey right. record, but I like, when you're done with this, you got to listen to this. Right, yeah. totally. You know, and minus zero, those guys are hardcore, dude. Yeah, Yo, yeah. I, I was in there when they wouldn't sell the guy the second Iggy Pop solo record because he didn't have the first one. <laughs> I don't think they liked women in that store. I don't and think they I, liked us. <laughs> I mean, they liked they, they liked like our anybody. they liked us, but they didn't like our. They never said once. I mean, all the years we went in there, and we would go in there every trip to London to uh, what's the other one? Min, minus zero and the other one, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, man, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they they never came. We always invited them to concerts. They never came. Uh, never talked about our music ever, but we'd hang out there for we'd hang out there for three, four, five hours a day, yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to music, talking to those guys, getting music from right, them, right, right. and they were great. I love those guys, yeah, Bill, yeah. Bill Allerton and Bill Forsyth, right, right, two right. great. By the way, you know I keep a shelf of you here. Oh really? So oh, when God. people come in, and they're like, last night Sean came in after the show. He goes, "Man, I got to get into all those records. I don't have any of those." And I went That's over so and like, sweet. "Here's six. That's so sweet. Here's six. That's so sweet. The first three Negro problem. The first three Stu. Oh, he must be go to work." No, no, he. You must be the. But you weren't living in L.A. in nineteen. Like, what, remember when? Like, there used to be this like magazine called Bam. It was like Bay, Bay oh, yeah. Area oh, Music. Oh, Bam! Yeah, I remember. Sure. Okay, we. The, so they sold Bay Area Music and 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 they, they gave it away or whatever in Southern California, right? So every Christmas, like there would be like who sold the most records, right? And one time it was like honestly, it was like for Christmas week, it was like we were on top, and then like REM was number two because some weird person would go in on Christmas and buy like every one of our records and then that would make us go up on the Bam Bear music chart for LA <laughs> so it'd be like right. us and then like you two or you or, <laughs> or something be like, who are these people what did they who did they pay to do this but there's one guy and, and Rick from Aaron's used to say yeah he was here yesterday and he just like bought like everything 
Like he cleaned presents, Christmas presents. He bought them for Christmas <laughs> presents, but that guy was like the shit. You know, that guy was. He was you know, the minus zero guys. They didn't think you were from LA. They, as I remember that about the first conversation. Oh, you know, he's like, you guys are from the Bay Area. You've got to check out this band. Yeah. They're, they're from there too. Oh, that's and that, so when why we were that... first trying to track you down, we were looking all over the Bay Area management companies trying to find. I told our managers got to find this Bay Area band called the Negro Problem, and they finally found you down in Silver Lake through somebody else. But that's but that's but, the, but that was always what would happen. We would we would play places and they would go, "Oh, you guys from San Francisco? No, L.A. Oh, so you guys are from New York? No, L.A. Because they couldn't handle the fact that we were from L.A. Yeah. You know, and then people in San Francisco would also hotel uh, whatever it was Utah. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing there and like people going, "Well, you're you're not from you're just saying that, right? Yeah. Because they couldn't stand the fact that it, that L.A. might." Produce a band that might sound uh-huh. like us. Yeah, know? it was a weird thing. L.A. versus San Francisco kind of. Thing. Oh yes, I've heard. Yeah, you heard yeah, about that. Yes, right? I've heard about that. <laughs> Emmer was oh. one of those guys in the record stores yes. who like would walk around. Kids would follow him around to have him like tell them tales of music. And right, right, he worked right. at Amoeba up in Berkeley when it was the only Amoeba, and and they would they would follow him around. He finally got fired because he was sitting on the front <laughs> counter one day at the checkout counter. Kids were gathered around him as he dispenses wisdom, and some kid comes up with a group of records, and Emmer's like. Oh no, you don't want that. You don't want that. You, <laughs> yeah. you just get this one, but put these back. And the owner was there, and she just had enough of it that right, day. Right, right, she was right, just right, like, right. "You're fired." Right, 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 right. Yeah, but I'm telling you, that was me. Record World, 1980s. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned me last night. You had to go on, so but we talked for like a couple of minutes, yeah, and you yeah. were, you started talking about music criticism and yeah, how important yeah, yeah, that used to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. And I know how much Adam I respect the old world. You know the the way people used to write about. Oh music. my God, yeah. And your guys' music. Your songs need to be deconstructed the way we did on just right, two podcasts, right, but right, it was right. amazing to just right. deconstruct those songs. Right, right, yeah. Well, all that what people don't realize is that like, like even in punk during punk rock and, and obviously before, but like, you know, rock criticism was like very street. You know, like people would just form fans, make fanzines, and review bands that played. You know, and you just someone would just hand you a, a zine. You right, know? right. And this idea of writing wasn't considered something that was disconnected. From rock and roll music at all, you know, it was quite it was quite connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, Lou Reed used to really engage with uh, local critics, like you know, when they would be hating him, you know, and he would right. be like talking about them from the stage and you know mentioning. Names oh yeah, yeah, on that live album. Yeah, on the live album. He's ripping Robert Christie out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. And so like we were kind of all in the same game, you know, the the the, the, the rock writers and 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 the musicians. And Patty know, Smith a, reviewed totally, records. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lenny Kay and a lot of guys. All those people, yeah, yeah. John so, I mean, Landau. Yeah, and we were reading we were reading New York Rocker when we were in LA. We were reading The Village Voice when we were in I worked LA. for the Aquarium Weekly and that's how that's oh, totally, it's the yeah, longest totally. running Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah for uh, sure. Read that. Yeah. Uh, independently owned weekly in yeah. the country now. Yeah, yeah. It's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because right, of it. Right, so right. So it's not ordered right, right. by a corporation, it's not combined you know, so yeah, it's a completely free yeah, and yeah. that's why I love writing for it. Yeah, I teach at the new school and I have a uh cohort that teaches there and in his syllabus he says like he teaches like a class in punk rock and blues and he says in his syllabus if you have a problem with overthinking music please drop this class because I, we do a whole lot of overthinking <laughs> we're going to get into that yeah 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 <laughs> you know, you know. And, and he's like just and it's the coolest you're the wrong syllab- place yeah it's the coolest yeah. syllable in the world because it's just like if you think we're overthinking it you gotta leave because yeah. you know? <laughs> right. we are gonna overthink some right. shit today right. but thank goodness you write songs that you have to overthink thank you well, you know, you have to. I don't know if it deserves thanks, uh, but uh, no, but, uh, thank you. I'm gonna thank you anyway. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello, this is from a show called The Total Bent, which was done right across the street from here. 
But it's also my labyrinth Suffering beautiful It's also my labyrinth It's also my labyrinth This song is my How long have you been playing with these guys? Oh, God, man. Me and Stu go back. When I first saw Stu, I, I just stopped listening to... Um, I, I, I grew up listening to nothing but black music. When I was 15 years old, I, I changed the station from KGFJ, listened to like the whole Beatles album that summer. And I came back, and there was some guy in the corner of a class playing Blackbird and on, on guitar. And I was like, man, why are you taking this guitar class? You are he said, because I want something easy to take. I thought I was, I thought I was hearing easy, things. Like, was that you? That was <laughs> Wait, when is this? Tenth grade. Oh, y'all doing such just back yeah, then. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's the, that's I knew from the, the K it was West Coast thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he, he, we were in our first serious bands together, me and him. So oh, then wow. he, he went, we did a lot of work when we were really young, and then he went up to London to do all, do all of his things, and I was doing all of my things, and then we've been playing together. Lately, he's been he's a member of the Negro Pub now. Basically. Yeah, I saw you. You were at uh, yeah. You were in the corner. They keep putting you in the corner. Yeah, and he's toured. He's toured, he's toured <laughs> with yeah, us. You in the corner. Plus on Rouge, you're way on the corner there too. He did notes of a native song with us and stuff. So he's like so, sort of back in the band after thirty years. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what were you doing in London? I'm still I'm still based in London. Um, I forgot a radio show on Resonance FM talking about journalists who musicians yeah. who are journalists. Yeah. On, oh, cool. Uh, it's called Is Black Music. It's uh, the first alternative black music show. So we play a lot of. Black folk, black country, black avant-garde classical, you know, the kind of that's freaky stuff cool that show. the Negro Problem well, that's does. really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool. And he's, he's a great songwriter. He's, he's, he's like my favorite songwriter. He's got, he's, he's got a bunch of records and stuff. He's great. Our Terry. Thanks. Look for him. How did you happen to be home right now, Marty? There's <laughs> something un, unexplained phenomena that beautifully works out all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I'm so thrilled about every time every time I get to play with these guys it kind of yeah it kind of doesn't work without him really like I hate to say it because he's so fucking busy but it kind of <laughs> no really it kind of doesn't work without like the way the two of them play together which is like this very strange interesting way that they both aren't the same kind of player and they're that complements it's a very weird thing. I was, you know, sometimes you can't enjoy something because you feel like it's going away. And I'm like, all right, this is last night. I'm like, this is really kicking ass. And Marty's going to be busy when we have the next series of like, because those old songs really, it's like high energy. You sweat. You know, I don't. I've never sweated on a Broadway stage or on a at the public theater. You don't sweat. You get you play and then you stop and some actor says some shit. You know. <laughs> and then you get to chill and catch your breath. Forty five minutes and we consciously made it like no quiet songs last night you know like no because we just wanted to, I just wanted to see if I could do it you know and, 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 and it's like but to do that takes these two to be together so you know we'll have to you know the cloning business I think is getting more and more yeah, every day somehow, somehow somehow, the, somehow yeah yeah Marty's being mystical about the calendar I'm but telling it's like, you <laughs> it, it, it you know there was one time 
you said, uh, you know, we're starting the total bent. Uh, you know, you want to do the total bent? I'd love to do it. When are you starting? I think it was like, uh, rehearsal start April 12th. I was like, I get off tour April 10th. Sounds right, great. Right. Yeah, Marty was, in, Marty was in the total bent at the public yeah. theater. He was the musical director for that. And, uh, yeah, I want, I want to say about last night that uh, Phil Collins is an unsung <laughs> drummer because he became something else. And yes. he is one of my favorite drummers. And yes. I feel like the old stuff, you know... <laughs> Uh, all that submarine down, all that stuff right. is, the, is the closest I can get to, <laughs> to being Phil Collins. Nice. That's a that's that's a, that's a that's an interesting path. There was a really <laughs> cool version of submarine down in that uh, uh, in that symphony space show. Emmer's playing guitar. I want. I think I start off with you guys, and then I realize I don't know the song. I sit oh, we played on the podcast, and then yeah. I get back up. You can hear there's like a disturbance at the chorus because I realize, oh yeah, I do. I can sing harmonies for them. Right, 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 right. You can't really hear me, but Immer right. plays this great solo yeah, in it too. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'll get you all that stuff. I got it all. Oh uh, yeah, I want to hear that. I don't I know where the, I didn't know where the hell I got it from. I've, I've had it for so long. I did not know. I figured it was probably who, who recorded the show. You know, gave I gave it to me. You know, I finally wrote. Remember, remember when we were on tour and and Emmer Cook said, uh, he said, you know. I, like, this is hangover. It's sort of like um, it's 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 mildly throbbing in the distance, you know. And I and we were on the road. and It was morning, and he said, "I got this hangover. It's not, I don't have it yet, but it's it's mildly throbbing in the distance. It's on its way in." And I'm like, "Dude, mildly throbbing in the distance, mile go- away." Oh no, song title, full on, and and that's in the, one of the best songs in the total bent. Uh, so I got to give him that record. But uh, but uh, yeah, I, I knew it took years, but I knew that was com- that was going to land in a song if you don't take it first. I don't the think hangover we, and the song both eventually get there. Right, get there right, yeah. right, 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 I don't think right. we talked about it on the podcast, despite we talked about it almost everything. But how did you guys two two guys meet? Lord. Oh yeah, I basically like I was I was at a point in my music, you know band career. You could call it that. You know everybody just kind of thinks you're a loser because you're trying. You were in another band. You were in one. Yeah, yeah, I was in a band in the eighties, and then I was in another couple other bands, and then and then uh, somebody said that that a bass player is needed for this band, the Negro Problem. And I went to see the band, and I was like, "Oh my god, you know, I have to be in this band." And I've never tried so hard. It was like I was like politics. I was like telling everybody, like, "You got to tell them, to let me get but in the band." You got to tell them and the I, actual story because it's a real, it's a real teaching piece for people who want to get in a band. Oh, uh, what is? Uh, well, you went to Proben. Oh well, I, well, I yeah, I went to Proben. And I she said, went to a I, band member. Yeah. Without telling us to learn all the songs, so when she came to the audition, oh, well, she yeah, knew. It was that's yeah. the way to do it. And it you was, know, and but it was like learning. we didn't even know. And like, it was learning that that first record, like you know, my first shows were like the the record release party. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The record, record little, yeah, yeah. That I could barely hang in there. I was like, oh my god, it was like but, prog rock, you know. Uh, right when they released uh, Post Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I just thought that was such a just a gangster move to like go to somebody in the band that you know, mm-hmm. teach me the song. So when I show up for audition, you know, it's gonna just be like when someone shows up for audition and they nail your shit, you're just like, okay, done. But I right. knew it. You know, you know all the all the bands right then. In LA, it was like it was just like everybody's kind of standing there, and then also the Negro problem because Stu's wearing you're wearing like you know some kind of like pink lay, or you're like all like boa, all, feather like, boa. It was just this crazy thing, and you're like yelling at everybody, and it was just like <laughs> we used crazy, to be very glad like I have to be in this band. When, you know? when we replaced uh, Steve Bowman on drums, our first drummer, and and Ben Mize came, a bunch of people came in to audition for us, uh-huh. and, and mm-hmm. very good drummers too, so mm-hmm. varying degrees, but nobody really. Ben came in. Uh, from Athens, Georgia, he was recommended by uh, David Lowry from Cracker, and mm-hmm. he's the only guy that didn't come from another band that we really knew. He mm-hmm. he showed up and just we're in the basement of my house, and he plays everything, including song like uh, "Children in Bloom" uh-huh. that I had written for the second record, maybe "Goodnight Elizabeth" that they weren't even available. He just somehow knew how to play them wow. really well wow. from bootlegs or whatever. We were all like, you know, 
he blew us away wow. and he got the job, you know, and like a year or two later, I was, I, I cornered him at one point. I'm like, how did you come up? You showed up knowing everything, like including songs that aren't on the record. Right. How'd you know all this shit? And he said that, uh, David Lowry came home from one of the tours with us early on and, and pulled him aside and said, Hey, how do you feel about, it? you like Counting Crows? And Ben's like, yeah, no, I love that band. He goes, you should learn all their material. And, and Ben said, why? And he goes, man, you'd be great in that band. And that motherfucker is never going to last. <laughs> he, said, he just said, having been out on the road with us like, on separate, several tours, he, there was so much tension. He's like, man, you should learn this shit because you'd be great. And that fucker is never going to last. <laughs> just, yeah. I didn't find that out for a couple, couple of years, you know. That's ben hilarious. went diligent, and sure enough, you know, a few six months later, four sure. months later, whatever, you know. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, but you know, the Negro problem, like that first record, like I'm going to show up and like, you know, two-inch dickmobile, like I'm going to hang in there. Like, I, there's no way <laughs> in hell. Right. I had yeah. to learn it. So this is cool, man. Adam, you're, you're crazy, man, for like playing all those fucking old songs, and I'm crazier for playing them in front of people. But um, that's... Uh, <laughs> Adam, you're, Adam is an instigator. See, that's, that's a true music geek, like instigating things like this. Okay, so this is called Stumble. We shouldn't be playing this live. It's like a prog tune. I'm going to mess it up. Big time. I'm going to fuck up so many lyrics on this motherfucker. But I don't care. Okay, how does this shit go? Oh, yeah, it starts off. It starts off. It starts off at the, you got to imagine yourself at the head of a boat. Here it goes. Revelation came by accident today I saw her coming so I stepped out of her way Sooner or later she would stumble upon me Sooner or later she would stumble upon me Shiver comes when all these clowns are torn away And hikes her skirt up till it covers her whole face Sooner or later, she would stumble upon me. Sooner or later, she would stumble upon me. The incidental breeze, the call of incidental needs, they walk through me wherever I go. She whispers through the trees, the call of incidental needs. And introduces me to her five sisters Whose names are yes and yes and yes and no Shiver comes when all these clowns are torn away I'm so glad, girl I'm so glad I'm so glad Dear Medusa, with your head of henna snakes 
She's Pygmalion in drag, she gently quakes Sooner or later she would stumble upon me Sooner or later she would stumble upon me Stormy midtown which I still can see your face And smell your hair although you left without a trace Sooner or later she would stumble upon me yeah. Sooner or later she would stumble upon me She introduces me to her five sisters whose names are yes and yes. I said yes. Shiver comes when all the clowns are torn away. I'm so glad, yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Today, sexy haiku on a bike who knew Heidi's face. Sooner or later, you would stumble upon me. Sooner or later, she would stumble upon me. And yes, and no, shiver comes when all the clouds are torn away. Yes. to the listeners at home that uh, there is a, a box of tissue here because this podcast obviously goes into Barbara Walters mode where someone ends up crying. So oh, I just yes, want to mention that something of tissue. I can do if that. anybody wants to cry. Just in case. I can do it. <clears throat> <You> need- <laughs> Easily. Well, I was going to say, how, you know, to join this that first record, and I, I made the point, I'm, I guess I'll ask you uh, if it's apt. Um, it was very Zappa-esque to me, that first uh-huh, record. Uh-huh. And um, 
So when you came in, it's not like you're playing, you're you know auditioning for you know a band that's just going. You know, the songs are pretty well, and and, be, and besides that, it was like it was like we we talk about what songs we're doing, and then we come out on stage, and Stu would decide we're playing something completely different. Oh, one of those. So it was kind of like it was like it was like it was like having the nerve to join the band for me, you know, because I certainly wasn't like the, the, all these people, all these bass players looking at me when I'm playing. Right. You know, I first joined, and they're just like glaring at me, like, "How the hell did you get into this?" band you know because <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy I, yeah it was like, maybe I if was, you learn the song they start with dun, 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 right i can barely so. play those songs <laughs> honestly i'm not even joking I, I i you know it's hard it's hard to relearn them it's hard to i mean it, you know we were very ambitious everybody in the band liked prog but didn't want to be a prog band but we wanted to sort of have that thing you know that that those prog bands had you know the foundation to to work off of. Yeah, say. just like well, that thing we talked about about having something for people to like deal with, you know, and uh, kind of and having yeah. something for people to. But what I I feel like Nico problem when I listen now, I because I never I really honestly never listen to records like they're done, and I literally don't listen to them at all. Right, so they are I think pretty fresh when I hear them, and I think. Most of it is just us trying to make each other laugh. Like, can we get away with this? Like, I hear like us sort of like laughing about what we're doing and not taking it seriously. But like, yeah. isn't that insane? Can we really do? Oh, of course, let's just do that. Let's just put the vocal through some goofy, you know, or some goofy lyric. I mean, I, I think I write way better songs now, but those songs are just so like, like we're just kidding around. Yeah, we were texting know. each other while we were going over these songs, and I was just laughing, going, "I can't believe!" Like, I was just laughing, laughing, listening, like good time. Yeah, there's just like me. bad, yeah. all these there's bad like, edits. There's like, like these serious. horrible edits where like the like you know, no offense, but there was a kid, there was a kid we were working with. He's a lovely kid, but there was just like this one, like we did a one take thing. He had to go. The the, the drums weren't happy. You know, this one song, and we just did this like the worst, like edit with like a crowbar. You know, it was like edited with like <laughs> it was just like a mechanic, like a car mechanic edited it. You know, and it was just. And it's just like so wrong, and we were just like we laughed when we first heard it. We're like, if we the rule was if we laughed, then we left it. <laughs> you know, if it was just so absurdly wrong, mm-hmm. we had to. Leave I like it, that you know, theory. You know? That's a good theory. Well, because because you know, Freud said right. laughter is what we do when we don't know how to respond. Right. So I'm like, okay, let's just be Freudian. Right. Because I was going to ask you if that's why you don't listen to them. Because for me, I don't read my books, not because I'm, you know, like you hear filmmakers say this. I I don't watch any of my movies. But it makes sense to me because the reason I don't read my books is because I can't do anything about it anymore. I can't change it. True, 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 true. Well, I don't don't listen to mine either, my records, but uh, also you're going through a different version. You play them at night, you know, so you have a different, you have an experience with those songs in different ways. Just, don't even necessarily go back and listen to the record again. I have a different experience with those songs now that it involves playing them live. You know? Yeah. So I do get to live that stuff, but I don't think I go back and listen. I don't, I, the first record, certainly, I haven't listened to in uh, 20 years, probably uh-huh. more. Maybe. Uh-huh. Let me ask you a question about those, because that's 97, right? The first right, album? Right, right, So <laughs> you're right on the border of it. Is that tape, or is that... There's radar... Uh, you know, 97, years later. yeah, 97 is radar. a four-track... Um, Post tape, um, four track, yeah. yeah, that we got from somebody, and then I think t- I think Two Inch Dick Mobile is at the Village Recorder. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> where yeah, it's like a demo like, deal or something. Yeah, the kind of yeah, the kind of thing where you like you're mixing so late that you keep turning the treble up as it gets later because your ears start to sh- they get tired. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you, everything is like super trebly. Like this is where Fleetwood Mac did rumors, and we were all like, right. ooh, you know. 
and like you know yeah. but, you, but you know what it's hard to talk about I just want to bring this up that like you know joining the band and watching Stu come out you know before I joined and seeing the Negro problem I mean Charles like listening to this stuff yeah. you know Charles and you know and and you know and Gwen mm-hmm. I took Gwen's place she was crazy she's amazing in there too she you know had, and uh, can, not Candy Pants what was the name of the other band right oh uh, you're thinking of Lisa Oh, yeah, Lisa was in Candy Pants. Yeah. Oh, there's Candy Pants. That's what I was Lisa, was, yeah. Lisa was in Candy Pants. Gwen was in another band whose name is Escaping Me. What was the other band that you worked with back then? Like, I feel like some of the stuff is on one of the boots. I don't know. It's <clears> not <throat> the Murmurs. It's, uh... Oh, it doesn't matter. can't remember. But yeah, Charles was huge. Charles was a huge part of all that, especially first record, because he was a complete prog freak and jazz freak. He was raised, like, the people that are raised by wolves, he, he was musically raised by his... Big brother who only played him jazz growing up. Like Charles, Charles did not know the Beatles. So like one day we were like listening to. I played the Beatles for Charles. You know, I gave him like a compilation, and in full, full pure honesty, he looks at me and goes, "This stuff's really good." <laughs> like just These like the most a keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> just like cool places. He grew up like he was like nine years old listening to Coltrane. Like his his big brother just said, "I'm gonna fuck this guy up." You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know? So, he, so he, so by twelve, he was listening to free jazz, Albert Eiler and stuff, and that's just, and then like contemporary classical, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. his brother just like, I'm gonna do a, like a B.F. Skinner experiment with this kid, you know. <laughs> you know, instead of putting him in a box, I'm gonna like just like put him in a weird musical world, you know. <laughs> so Charles comes out, and all this pop stuff for him was like really brand new and exciting, you know. Like mm. he, it was, that was also cool. Like he, he looked at it like it was fresh, you know, and. It's funny when you say Zappa because like I don't think like we were all into Zappa. But I don't think it sounds like Zappa, but I think no, it's, no, it's the spirit. That. It's the spirit. Yeah. It's the Southern California kind of like the weird inventor somewhere in the valley. When Tom Waits talks about that guy who's in there fixing big built, what's he building? Yeah, what's he building in there? That to me is California. <laughs> yeah, to me that, that these these weirdos out there and you don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're in a shack. Yeah. They're in a weird place. And they're just kind of doing this thing, you yeah. know. And you're not sure what it is. And that's, but it's also the humor. That's totally. what I was going yeah, for. No, absolutely, the humor of it, yeah, um, you yeah. know, and and also uh, I was gonna that that leads me to ask you: did, did have you written any lyrics first, and then or have like lyrics on a pad, and then go, oh, I'm gonna do a melody? Almost no one does that. Uh, I know you don't, right? You, I think people do write lyrics first. I don't, but like no, Warren, I, I, I just did a book on Warren Zevon, and he he only wrote one song, The French Inhaler, on lyrics first, and then who, put who? music to uh, Zevon Warren Zevon. Okay, I love yeah. That. Wow. Um, no, I, I think I, it's all happening at the same time. Music and the lyrics are going okay. to happen in my head. Although she will send me music that I'm supposed to make lyrics to and I will send her lyrics that she puts music to. So okay. she can do that. But she can put music to a like a magazine article which I can't do. It's my thing. Ah. It's my thing. She's got a weird angular way of, you know. Also Jill, by the way. I just want to bring up Jill. We were oh, talking yeah. about the first record and it's just You're like... You're being so diplomatic. I, my God. I know, because I want to. I, I, I'm like, I was like... I was like freaking out that I got into this band, you know. <laughs> I was freaking out. It was like it was like Stu and Jill, and Charles and Gwen and Proben, and I was just like, you know, it was that thing. I'm trying to hold myself back, and I'm just trying to hang in there. Yeah, Jill Meski played really electric hard. electric accordion, accordion like, going to the I mean, yeah. <laughs> before we got keyboards, yeah. That's cool. That's anyway, I had to bring that up. Okay, I totally interrupted. What? No, what no. Were we were oh, the words. Oh, the words and the yeah. No, I think he covered that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Sure. How Joys and Concerns is based on a 
early issue of Sports Illustrated that you were in. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Life, Life magazine. Yeah. No, this is this is my. I'm not. I'm only saying this because it fits in with this. It's not like it's a promo. Stu laughs about this because everything we do is like a promo for like stuff that I'm going to do. Because I, I actually am doing something without Stu, which is crazy. Yeah, it's talk about crazy. It. I, I, I um, the good swimmer. Uh, it's called the good swimmer. It's going to be at BAM next wave in November. And it's and and what I and because I'm not working with Stu, I'm working with this librettist person, and and it's found text, and I I wrote songs from mostly um, American Red Cross life saving manuals. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a, so it's a, so there, it's like water. Like, it's like a bunch of visuals. It's all water. And and and, and, and you don't really. I mean, the, the amazing me. thing is, like when you hear the songs and you know, Marty's drumming on, they're beautiful. You don't even know that notice and that Marty's, they're from like this very dry text you know what I mean yeah, and right. I would just be too scared to even try because but I this would is the thing I'm doing see because I'm I'm doing something without Stu and Stu is so fucking brilliant stop right? stop 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 okay I stop I'm stopping that was easy to stop I just had to say something really nice <laughs> okay now I'm done done with the niceness but then it's like what am I going to do interesting without Stu Red and Cross it's like yeah, right, yeah write songs without <laughs> trying to rhyme and trying to make it work and you know and yeah so you know Donna DiNovelli is the librettist, and um, Kevin Newberry is the director. And yeah, so this is cool. happening. And I'm doing this, and so it's crazy. So I look at it, Stu all the time, and Stu needs to show up. Marty's the musical director, and the, and, Marty, and and Stu showed up to a workshop, and he basically just walked in and yelled at the band. I did not. <laughs> and I actually was like, "This is great, thank you." you know, yeah, he outed right? me doing that last night. Some story about me yelling. At the yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was the best. That was the best. That was the best. That was my. That was my intro into like, like, oh. You know, here's Adam inviting you guys to do the show and this tour, and we're like, cool. And and you know, um, this guy's incredibly nice, right? But I literally was like, hey, thanks for you know showing up, right? The first day that we played with him, and then the second day, um, I walk in and he is like ripping his sound crew a new one in very very not nice sounding. I'm just like, and but he's ripping him about the fact that you need to make the opening band sound as good as we sound you know and it was just like I'm, I'm standing there I'm seeing you from the back and it's just like I want to walk out because I don't want you to turn around and see me but at the same time I'm completely transfixed by this completely weird moment where you're basically and then sure enough I mean like the fucking we went out the monitors were like ace and everything was like and from that sorry from that moment on it was just fucking amazing and ridiculous it was amazing the first time without I don't give a damn but it was just like cool. Like, oh, okay, so he like really gives a fuck about. He does. We talked about it a million times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, it's crazy. The motivation sounds like me. The yelling at the crew does not sound like me. <laughs> Dude, you were ripping them. You were no, like, no, no, you were saying that. Never happened. I, I'm I'm saying saying no, you were happened. ripping I'm he, these guys. He you cares. Were... I'm saying he cares. I want to qualify. He's not like that. I'm saying that he cares about the opening band. Yeah, you weren't saying anything like that was like like insulting too. It was just like. You need to get it to fucking get, and you were being very specific about instruments and what this needs to be. Blah, blah. And I was just like, "Sounds good to me." I was just like, "Walk off." Maybe you know, we still do. We we talk about those tours. We always first thing we talk about is like um the food. Oh my god! The, I mean, it was you know we remember more about like the different meals. We had we, some really good catering back then. Oh, it's so we nice. Don't talk about that. So nice. Let's reminisce about. Man, yeah. It's messed up, man. You know what I mean? Things that have happened in recent years is that local catering, like the people at the venues, that got a lot better. And I guess, you know, we don't have enough money anymore to, like, be 
hiring our own caterers. So that that got a little worse. <laughs> so it's not. I mean, but it used to be you had to because the local catering was so bad that anyone who's vegetarian just got a bell pepper with rice in it every night. Yeah, and that wasn't fair. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian, but like Dave Bryson spent years on the road eating bell peppers with rice and, and just like. <laughs> I think it's half the reason. I know, he stopped I know being exactly. A I know exactly how he Bobby feels every it. night. You say it's half the reason why he stopped being a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came. We were, I was producing a record once for this band with Bryson. And I got to his house. And he had recently been married. I knew his wife had, uh, when they first got married, was studying to be a vegan chef. You know, so I expected you know that to be even worse down that road. But the food would be good because she was you know a professional chef. The first day we're all sitting down to lunch is at his house in his studio. We're producing this band together, and. Uh, She's down to lunch and she lays out these, these salads and they're salads with like sirloin, strips of sirloin, you know, cold sirloin salad. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice. And she didn't actually just, she cooked, didn't make us all eat vegan food. Vegan food. It's really nice. And I looked to my right and there's Dave Bryson digging into the steak after like, wow. I don't know, 15 years of wow. or more because I knew him from our band. He's always wow. been this vegetarian. And uh, I said, what the fuck are you doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uh, well, uh, Sally, Sally made me. And I'm like, what? Sally's a vegan chef. And he said, no, no, Sally studied vegan, vegan cooking when we first uh, got together. And then she decided it's really fucking bad for you. So she's, <laughs> she's just being a regular chef now. And she told me to stop being a vegetarian. I'm like, well, well married life, man. That's yeah, good, right, I guess. Right. You know? Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now he's just, he loves hamburgers. Wow. He's still skinny as a rail and wow. healthy, but he, wow. you know, he'll eat anything now. Wow, wow. But that I'll never forget that meal because Immer was there too helping out produce right, this, right. and we both just looked over and saw Dave Bryson putting <laughs> meat in his mouth and thought, "Whoa, something has changed." What are you working on now? Uh, what are we working on? Well, Heidi's working on her thing. Right. There's very big talk about passing strains going back to Broadway, not with us but with other people. So that's exciting. Um, we. We always have like a million things that we're working on. I, I teach a lot now. I teach at the new school. I teach at Sarah Lawrence. So um, I just, I, I make plays for really large groups of people now in the in the academic world that I cannot make in the real world because nobody wants to pay for a 24 cast, you know, play, you know, but I'm really into like at least large amounts of voices now. Mm-hmm. So I can do that like in universities, you know, so I'm doing that. And, you know, we just released, we're, uh, native song and, and um, right. the total vent and only a month we, ago yeah 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 so we we're, are going to continue touring native song but you know we're 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 building a two couple of shows at the same time there's a show called mosquito net that we're building which is like a sort of music theater kind of piece you know and um we're trying to sell uh joe's pub on the idea of a. Uh, doing this kind of repertory thing in 2019 where we all the stuff that New Yorkers haven't heard that we've done outside of New York the commissions that we've gotten from outside of New York to, to do them all like in a year at Joe's Pub That's like really do we, cool, do we, because we've got all this material that New Yorkers haven't heard what was the from different shows Midsummer Night's Dream music from uh, that was just me in a studio in uh, uh, LA oh you mean like what was, was it? it used for it, it, was a, it, was, it was a production in, in, in Connecticut was it yeah, yeah. yeah Joanna Saddle who directed uh, The Total oh, Bent it, right. was, it was done for, it was done for that you know and uh, yeah so we just have all these shows that haven't been heard here that we are you know but new stuff it's like always there's always like we're just constantly working on new stuff you know but I've got a, I've got a yeah I've got a play that I'm working on at Sarah Lawrence right now for, for 24 Voices and there's something really incredible about hearing 24 people sing at the same time. 
you know, it's something you've written too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty awesome and, and 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 cool. But it's funny to go from that, which is like this big thing, and then like last night, both of which are kind of like rock and roll in the sense that there's something really primitive to me about 24 people singing. Mm-hmm. And I and the thing is, I'm a dumb shit. I don't know how to like compose for like voices, so I'm just like, hey, sing this. And like some girl will be like, well, I'm a soprano and this is an alto part, and I'm just well, just sing it, and then maybe it'll be like you're in a rock band, <laughs> you know? Yeah, because that's what happens, you know. Right, get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, if you do that repertory thing, you should also stick in, uh, like, I mean, that'll, that'll take place over a period of a year, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. stick in some, you know, multiple nights where you can just do full-on stew and Negro problem shows. Or no, for sure, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah, we want to do albums. We want to do the whole. Because that thing last night was just. I mean, I, you know, I, I love seeing you in any form, but uh, but to see the full band and the horns and the and the fun, the horns, and then were it was so forty five cool, minutes, yeah. and I was like, oh god damn, I need like a couple more hours of this, and I'll be sort of seated for a little while. <laughs> yeah. The horns were so cool. Yeah, I was telling them, man, it's like it's like it's like it's just like pearls because like that's sort of like the way, like that's also to me like connects it to like this like like you know mid to late 60s soul you know like it brings out that aspect to me of the music you know and the way Marty plays that kind of propulsive way you know sure. and just that like non-stop sort of you know thing uh, the, the horns are just like so propulsive and I want that all you can never not want that once you have it you know it's really yeah. hard to get away from it and it, and it always sounds very it's just it's just also that kind of like I'm gonna always be out of tune and like hitting the guitar wrong and like just like playing fucked up shit you know my guitar is just like you know don't sit in front of my amp if you're if you want to live you know <laughs> um, um, and the horns are always like no it's actually music you know <laughs> like it's actually a song look we came in at the same time <laughs> you know it's like if it's just me going wow 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 it's like, oh, take that person to an insil- asylum you know I mean there's something wrong with Turn that guy down for Christ. yeah 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 take that guy to asylum but if the horns are all doing it then it's like oh no it's music it's actual music <laughs> we should probably wrap up but Let's I want to tell you one more thing that I really love that uh, there was a period before you were really like Focused down on Passing Strange, where you did a lot of shows at uh, at Joe's that were full of spoken words. Like you were developing, it seemed to me like during that period you were because we had talked about writing theater stuff, yeah, you and yeah, I, yeah. And it seemed like you were developing the kind of stories that were going to go into like what Passing Strange would eventually right, right, become. Right, there right. were a lot of these almost cabaret esque shows you guys played yeah. with different versions of the band. A lot of the songs uh, you were writing Black Men Ski around right, that time right, too, right, and. Right, uh, right. They just sort of, uh, they were these very great combinations of the great stories and spoken word, but not quite a theater piece yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, And yet the Negro Problem and Stu songs. Yeah. Uh, those are really cool shows. That's a, that's a worth for reminding uh, me. I like that format, too. Well, there you go, instigating again. You know? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I got to do something to entertain myself <laughs> and everybody else. So It's cool being in this room, man. It's been a while. Yeah, man. It's really nice. I forgot you lived here. I used to remember that you lived here during my kid. My kid was like, "Where's the bathroom?" Like, oh, ask somebody. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I know where it is. I lived here. That's right. All right, we should wrap this up. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was great meeting you guys. Peace. Late. Hey, Adam. Thank you, man, for being an instigator. You're fucking. I would only do this for your ass. So um, here we are. And now he started something that can't be stopped. Okay. What happens? Is this how it goes? Do I want to start like that? Let's start with the groove. It used to start really sensitively. 
Okay, this is for Greg Cavs because he might know that this rhythm comes from a Jamaican single back in the day called Slang Tang. And it was made on a Casio, right? And then Slang Tang had, I think, more answer tunes than like any tune of, like, ever of all times. You know, like, everybody had a Casio and everybody was like this. So we were like, let's play that shit on a real bass. That shit's unstoppable. That shit can only be from Jamaica, right? It's not even reggae. It's just like a machine, but it's like an, it's an African machine. Casio is Japanese, right? It's the Japanese Afro, Afro-Japanese connection. The Japanese are like, we're going to make this machine, and then the Africans are like, we're going to use it. Oh, Peter Jennings, won't you help me? I'm chasing you through the foggy ball. You turn around, say I lost them all. Sent by ABC. Lord, just for me. So I can sit with my TV on. I turn around, say, Que lastima. Like this. Da 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 Like this. Da 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 won't you sell me a leather mag and a Molotov, a German car with the top blown off? See, it's higher than me here in Newton's tree. So full of monkeys and sacred song. You turn around, say, Kelastima, like this. Da 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 Let's do two more. drive down Sunset Boulevard from downtown um, to your friend's house in West Los Angeles, maybe Santa Monica, because there was hash oil. <laughs> and you were drunk, and you were on Sunset Boulevard, and you felt the freedom because you were from Philadelphia, someplace small, where you can jump across the sidewalk from one side to the another, and suddenly you were on Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard, longer than a Whitman line, you know? Longer than, you know, longer than a Ginsburg line. Just this long line. Sunset Boulevard, this long poem that you were just driving down at 3 a.m. to the hash oil. <laughs> discovering oil. Discovering, parentheses, hash, close parentheses, oil. suddenly and then suddenly because this is how every LA night ends either in your nightmares or in real life you realize you're drunk you realize you're drunk and you turn on the Spanish language station in Los Angeles which plays romantic songs that you don't understand because you realize that you don't understand anything about romance anyway so you might as well listen to it in a foreign language that you don't understand 
and they're singing this thing in Spanish and it's meaning something but you don't know exactly what and that feels exactly like your life. chase me didn't I have my blinker on didn't I say I love the law see it's higher than me here in Newton's tree so full of monkeys and sacred song turn around say que lastima Watch what's about to happen. Heidi's gonna open this shit up with a different baseline. Watch this. Watch what happens. She didn't do it. You didn't do it. The old baseline. Watch out, here it comes. Good night. Thank you very much. Buy some CDs from Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Antoine Jai, Jeff Hermanson, Michael McGinnis, Art Terry, Marty Bauer, Heidi Rodeo. Thank you all for coming to Underwater Sunshine on behalf of, I don't know where everybody is, I guess you're right there. This is our staff. James, Holly, Frank, Katie, Andy, Felipe, Lindsay, I don't know where Barbara is right there. Thank you all so much. It's our first year. We'll see you again next year. And really, my favorite band to close it out for me. Thanks to Stu and the Negro Problem and all of you. Thank you for Bowery Electric. Now get the fuck out of here. Bye-bye. This is, uh, this is a Tom Petty song called Walls.
Hey, we're here with uh, Hawks and Doves, featuring my friend Casey Anderson. Good morning. The longest listing. Frank always complains about you. Casey Anderson and the Honkies, Hawks and Doves, parentheses, Casey Anderson. <laughs> Every time he does a goddamn t-shirt, there's just... It's gonna, I was telling you, the next time it's going to be uh, Hawks and Doves featuring Casey Anderson perform the songs of Casey Anderson. <laughs> and the Honkies, <laughs> as written by Casey Anderson. Um, it's complexity. Yeah. Thank you for having us, man. This is so cool. No problem. That was a great set. I was just telling the guys in the band that it's my favorite Tom Petty song. You guys just did Waltz, and I love that song. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites, too. We, uh, we did a benefit in town recently, and we happened to do it on the, the show took place on the one-year anniversary of the day that he passed, uh, so we learned it for that. But I've been, I mean, I feel like Tom, the Tom Petty songs, you don't really have to learn them. As soon as you play two or three chords, everybody, like, it's in all of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's ingrained in all of us. You already know where it's going to go. But, yeah, thank you. It's a beautiful song. It is, yeah. And the record's great. We loved it. We played some on the podcast. It's a great record. Yeah, I listened to the podcast. Thank you for doing that. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. I uh, Not only, but he's caught up. Yeah, yeah. He's up to the present. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a podcast listener. Oh, you two. binged? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. No, I didn't binge. I've been keeping up. I support my friends' endeavors. Oh. <laughs> thanks thanks um, yeah it's cool and it's like it it always it reminds me that like I was, I was talking about this the other night with Adam like I, sometimes I think I think that I love music or I think I know a lot about music but then like I'll listen to you guys talk about it or uh, when when Adam's band comes through like if I talk to Emmy about it I'm like oh I don't know anything I don't I don't know like, well, you're not, you're not, you didn't reach a geek hood? <laughs> <laughs> it's a geek-tastic world full of uh, music geeks. We all, we all have our little areas of expertise. Yeah, yeah. We study up for the podcast. I have to admit, like, you know, sometimes we just talk it through, and sometimes it's just... Like, when we did the, the punk series, I did research for days, and I had notes for days about yeah, that one. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you, what, is there a thing that, like, over the course of... I'm interviewing you guys now. <laughs> is, there a th- is there a thing that, like, over the course of doing the podcast that you, like, rediscovered a thing that you hadn't listened to in a long time? Or like, you were like, oh, fuck, I love this. I forgot that I love this so much. Well, the punk one really, uh, yeah. you know, I just... Just got so deep into that over four weeks of stuff that I learned a lot there. And we did that three week series where we did uh, Chamber Posies and some people. Oh right, and yes. Then, uh, the Beatle Maniacs. Oh yeah, yeah. Third one. Yes. And I like getting really. I Teenage Fan Club. I've listened to a lot recently. And uh, who was the third one? Fountains of Wayne. We Fountains really digging on them. But I hadn't really yeah. gotten back into my Posies stuff in a while. And I think it's Pledge Music just came out. The Posies are doing a bunch of like. Uh, double album like reissues of yeah, all yeah. the early records and they're touring with the uh, Frosting on the Beater lineup as well who, oh really which features Mike Musburger former honky played drums oh, on right, of course that, which yep. is where I knew him from because yep. we were label mates back then yeah yeah um, and that was that uh, that Geffen comp that everybody was on I think was where I think that was the first time I heard Teenage Fan Club when I was a kid and I oh, was really? like oh shit this is good 
Yeah, yeah. That, that was a, a great little label for a while there. Yeah. It was either that or they... I think they had a song on the Judgment Night soundtrack with De La Soul. They definitely did. Yeah. They did, too. That, yeah. that, that might have been my intro, too. Um, oh, sorry yeah. to hijack your No, no, podcast. not at all. No. <laughs> That's what we do here. We just cool. How did you guys all know each other? Yeah. Uh, I knew... Jordan engineered Nowhere Nights. Oh, really? And then, uh, and then engineered and sort of co-produced Heart of a Dog. And we had worked on just stuff here and there, session stuff here and there. And so when I came back to Portland... Um, we did. We covered Wise Blood for that for the compilation for Jennifer, um, and I just reached out to him and was like, "I want to put together a band, you know, for this." I, at the time, I thought it was for one thing, you know, for this. We'll do with this one song, and then I'll go back to not to swearing that I'm never going to make a record again. Um, and it's fun. It's fun to make records, which is like so. Yeah, that's that's how I knew Jordan, and Jordan knew Ben and Jesse, um, and he just sort of brought them in. And was like, oh, your thing is that you always have better musicians than you around you. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that with the spin, too. That's the secret of songwriting, yep. by the way. Yep. I, I get that. Yeah.
I'm working my, every time we get together like we got together this morning and it didn't work out to do it this way but every time that we've talked about recording or doing a session I'm always like what if I didn't play guitar at all what if I just never play guitar again in my life um, so he did Jordan brought in Ben and Jesse and um, Ben plays bass and piano and viola and is a great choral ranger and Jesse's a great producer and arranger so it's, it was real easy to like everything came together pretty easily and you, you produced the record, this last no. record? No. <laughs> I, I am a great producer. I, <laughs> this, I didn't produce anything on this record at all. They actually kind of snuck me into the band 
without me even knowing. Because with Jordan, I was already doing sessions at his studio, and uh, that's what this started off as. So I actually didn't even know that we were doing a record uh, until it was maybe halfway done, I guess. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I, yeah, I mean, that yeah. probably does go for everyone. I don't... Yeah, I think... Yeah. I was really... Sneaky shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It's like Keith Moon in The Who. He said, I, I never was never asked to join. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So. Yeah, I... I mean, because I felt like I was pretty conflicted about whether or not I was going to put out another record, so we would do a couple songs, and I'd be like, oh, that was great, that was fun. Oh, I'm, I can't do this, I'm never going to do this again. And then I, Jordan would be like, well, I have an open day Tuesday, and I'd be like, well, I, do, I have three more songs we could try, and let's just track them and see where it goes. And then at the end we had 10 or 12, and it was like, I had gotten to the point where it was, I had written songs with the purpose of tying a record together so I feel like if you're at that point where you're trying to make something cohesive then you might as well get it out and it has that by the way it has that you know I Good. just finished a book on Warren Zevon plug plug anyway <laughs> I've often said that all of his songs are like you know chapters in a great American novel his yep. life and when I listen to music now it informs me that way so when I heard your stuff especially the new record it seemed like you there was a point to it and I always say yeah. that about Adam's work too is yeah. a theme and that's know? my favorite you know like Adam's one of my favorite writers Zevon is I think, you know, anybody who writes songs, it, it, he's a touchstone for everybody. And that's the stuff that I like, that you can tell that someone thought about the first track on the record when they wrote the fifth track and the tenth track on the record. And right. they thought about how, how everything's going to fit together. And I know that a lot, you know, people say, like, that's not how people consume music anymore. But I don't really believe that. I think people who love music and really, really pay attention to it don't want to hear seven singles and three songs that kind of right. fit and shit like that or at least I don't you know right sure and you put, when you put together when you sequence it because I know he's a big stickler for this so anybody who grew up in the era of albums and everything else do you ever think oh this would be the last track on this first side yeah 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 I, uh, I wrote so we had a few, we had probably seven songs and they were kind of loosely tied together and I thought I need a side one track one I need a uh, side B track one and I need the last song on the record and so that's when I sat down to write three more songs I wrote this is the song that's going to introduce the record this is the song that's going to hold it together in the middle so that's the song that introduces everything is Dangerous Ones the song that I felt like held the front half and the back half of the record together is Bulletproof Hearts and then From a White Hotel wraps it up I thought I hope pretty cleanly that's as comprehensive a a story of my life as I think I'll tell in in song (laughs) that's good
the leading because I was I, I walked out of the room for a second had y'all played like Teenage Gravity before as a like together I think yeah. we had run it once at a practice yeah that sounds right yeah but it, like I said it's not a hard <laughs> there's not a lot of chords in it um, no we, we've had that experience though where we think it's not a hard song and then yeah. we just crashed into it yeah yeah <laughs> and then also because you, you come up with a new version of it every time you play it right it's it's, 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 it's perilous that song <laughs> <laughs> It is kind of I do I feel like I do that like um 
I don't know if that frustrates these guys. We I haven't been fired from my own band yet, but we do. I do a lot of like, oh, what if we did it this way? And everybody's like, okay, well, we just did four rehearsals of doing it the one way, <laughs> and the gig is tomorrow. But okay, okay we can try it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think that it keeps like. I mean, that's one thing that that. Uh, like that's that's so fun about playing with such good musicians and what's fun about the honkies too is that if you like you can throw them a curveball and there's a pretty good chance they'll hit it keeps the jazz in it you know it, yeah that's the jazz which playing which in a band. for it's a like, group you know, of four white guys you got to do something to keep the jazz in it because it's not <laughs> <yeah>. naturally there <laughs> oh you guys are white oh okay <laughs> you know it helps it helps uh keep you up to date on the listening yeah you know, yeah, yeah 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 make sure everybody's paying attention to the song and nobody's like sleepwalking yeah and you guys do you guys do that too? I mean, yeah, no, we mess around a lot that way. I, I think it's really good; it keeps things alive because you know you do something for long enough, you, you can start to just sort of coast on things, and then it gets boring. Yeah, you don't and need to play right; you just need to play together. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And there's stuff like for me, um, that was a pithy, witty thing that just rolls out. That's write your, that on. That's your pole write quote. That down. Yeah, indeed. I th- sometimes too, it's like it helps reconnect. At least me, I don't know if you ever feel like like there's a song that you wrote 10, 15, 20 years ago that you're like, man, I don't, I don't connect to it anymore. But then if you run it a new way and you try a new melody or you start to deliver it differently, you sort of rediscover it for yourself too or you get back in touch with why you wrote it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, I like to think of them as being alive the whole time that, like, the... Which I think probably annoys the shit out of our fans. <laughs> my playing around with melodies and time all the time. But, you know, it's like... They're there for you to discover every night. There's yeah. no reason you necessarily have to just like. I'm not trying to relive some day in 1993 where it was recorded. Just rather just keeps. I mean, I, I like songs I wrote on my first album a lot. I love them now because I think they're not they're not dead things that I'm repeating to me as right. much as them. You know, that was it's a template for exploring how I feel now. <laughs> a template I wrote then for exploring how I feel now about them, you know. Oh, that's a good way. To, that's a great way to put it. I know, I keep coming up with these things. <laughs> <laughs> Are we recording this? <laughs> <laughs> At any moment now, one of these could go horribly wrong. <laughs> template for how I feel... Uh, uh, yeah, see, I couldn't even think of a clever way to put that right then. So you guys, before we wrap, because I know there's another uh, artist coming up, but are you guys excited about playing the uh, the festival? This is so cool. Oh, yeah, very much. I'm really excited. It's such a cool thing to... Uh... See, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. No, yeah, thank you. No, it's such a cool thing to be a part of, and it's such a cool thing when, you know, that, like, Adam and Frank and Holly and yourself and Felipe and Barbara and all the people involved with it are such champions for getting music in front of people, you know, and like to me that is that's such a noble way to engage somebody's audience to you know, to turn them on to stuff that they may not have found otherwise. And when I first like you know, I didn't play for 6 years and the first few shows that I did, it was a lot of people who would come up afterwards and say like, "Oh, I saw you on tour with the Crows or I heard like Teenage Gravity or I heard, you know, like Adam said somebody or somebody Holly, my friend Holly said somebody and it was like a lot of the fans who stuck with me through that shit were fans because Adam or Barbara or whoever had turned them on to my band and I think that still is the way that people really gravitate to discovering music when it's recommended to them by someone they care about rather than 
a Spotify daily mix playlist. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, rather than an algorithm, somebody's saying, like, man, I fucking love this. I think well, that, that he said that a million times. What, yeah. what music people love to do is share music. Yeah. Especially musicians that just hand off stuff. And that's the great thing that Adam came up with the idea for the podcast. He's like, Underwater Sunshine, it's perfect. I did a, cl- a collection of covers to promote bands that maybe people didn't know songs. Then we do the podcast, and now this. Yeah. All under the umbrella of that concept, yeah. which I think it's is really cool. cool. Yeah. It's cool. The other way of looking at it is that we're just not original enough to think up another name for anything. <laughs> That's actually what happened. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the it's name like, I give to all the things in my life that make absolutely no uh, money whatsoever. <laughs> 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 And here's your underwater sunshine omelet. <laughs> <laughs> nobody bought the record. We're not. Nobody pays for the podcast, no, no. and we sure shit ain't making any money on this thing. Right, right. But it does. It's in the spirit of all of those things. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, and and that's pretty cool. That's the best way is word of mouth for musicians, especially people who can't, you know, are not maybe on a label or. You know, they don't get the kind of media, you know, attention they deserve. So. Yeah. And yeah. I, like, Michaela Davis, who is now setting up for her session, I discovered because I think Adam posted something on Instagram or something like that. And I was like, oh, well, if he digs it, I'll probably dig it. And it's, she's so good. Her band is so That's good. amazing. Her yeah. record's incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody, I think, or at least I get into a runt where I'm like, all right, these are the 25 or 30 records that I love and I'm going to listen to them for the rest of my life. And I, there are times when I don't stray from that. But the times when I do are because a friend says, like, man, this will knock you right, out. Right, Because you know, like, they know what you'll out. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, yeah. We should probably wrap it up. The yes. excitement in the room is getting to the point where it's going to be hard to talk anyways. It's yeah, a fever so. pitch in here. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It. Thanks yeah, for having us. Thank you. Always something more to lose